the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. Hey, how you doing? This is the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson. Never going bald, it's true. Kind of bores me. I run a comb through my hair. The hair's always there. Maybe I'm taking it for granted. Maybe I don't appreciate it. Maybe, maybe I need to lose a bit of hair to appreciate my hair again. No bald patches to worry about. Bit boring. It's the one area of my life I don't have to worry about. I am proud to say though that I do have quite a few bald uh, listeners. Uh, show 40, December the 22nd, 2011, coming to you from SW8 Love Loss and Lattes. Lots of lattes. However, there is no Alice Span. I can't find my Alice Span today. You know what I'd like to have? I'd like to have a little hook on the wall. Obviously, this being rented property, I have to uh, uh, get in touch with the lettings agent and probably exchange about 12 emails before I can even hang a hook up on the wall. But I'd just like to have a tiny little hook, like a hat stand, but specifically for the Alice bands that I have that I can never find. Christmas as well. You wouldn't know it, though, if you uh, stepped inside the flat. Nothing, not a card, not even a bit of tinsel. Doesn't doesn't bother me, I have to say. Um slightly uh slightly rattled when i realized yesterday this is only the second ever christmas i've uh, where i've lived on my own and i can't actually remember the first i think i can remember where i was the first time around it was balham 2003 um but i can't remember what i did that day i i probably went to my aunt's i'm, I'm pretty certain of that i just can't remember how i dealt with uh christmas eve and waking up on uh, christmas morning on my own. No snow this year. There are bits of black sock, however, on my uh, beige carpet. My checkout inventory, whenever that happens, is uh, so not going to go my way. Ways, as always, to get in touch with the show via Twitter at 1607westegg. Email the show, drt at westegg1607.co.uk. If you're wondering why that's the other way around, it's because when I bought that domain name about 10 years ago, uh, I simply got it wrong uh, you can also join the uh, facebook group uh the daniel ruiz tyson podcast ask to join i'll add you in and as always uh, you can always post your comments via the blog 1607westegg.wordpress.com hoping the recording does go smoother than last week i think that was all the extra uh the extra followers on twitter got about 250 followers last week uh, new followers of which uh, half have uh, gone now um I kind of felt that pressure, you know. Download figures continuing to increase sharply, and uh, recording the show, and uh, maybe, uh, maybe it's uh, making me a bit more tense now when I'm recording the show. I need to sort of rediscover, uh, you know, what I was, how I was performing uh, a few weeks ago. Also, need to obviously learn how to construct sentences properly. Hey, before I go on, cheese. What's going on with cheese? Even the least expensive cheese is pricey what is making cheese so expensive i don't understand it it's going up every week it's uh, it's ridiculous things to know about me uh, i bought a backup deodorant today had the foresight to see uh, uh the same deodorant that i bought last time round at uh on a uh, on offer at 99p i thought you know i ought to get another one it's a sign of my growing maturity i also as I've said in the past, one of the things that have disappointed me about this year is that my, my scent does keep changing. You know, you, you go for the offers and uh, before you know it, uh, your last five deodorant 
purchases have been different. People don't know what your smell is. You should be, you should have your own distinctive smell. And uh, this is the second uh, uh, consecutive time that I have bought the same deodorant. And uh, I think I can maybe build up a new smell from scratch, a smell that I will be uh, associated with. Uh, my bathroom caddy, uh, Chrome Four Tiers, purchased in September. The way the toiletries sit on it uneasily, certainly the bottom three shelves, I think probably sum up my personality better than anything else. Not very organised, not very tidy. Clean, but not very tidy at all. Uh, but you know what? Uh, despite these shortcomings, I don't think too many podcasts are, are better or more honest than this. Uh, I'm giving you what I have, my words. That's all I have, my words and my nectar points. And you're, you're not going to get my nectar points, really. I need the nectar points. I was actually going to eat this week. I was going to eat first and re record later. Um, just got back from my aunt's collecting my Thursday night meal. Uh, when um, on my way back, I saw a, I saw a man... Bagging, uh, bagging up after his small dog had done its business near my road. Uh, apologies if you're eating right now as you're actually listening to this. But anyway, I was thinking, I was seeing this, and I was thinking, you want this dog, you want it that much that you're okay for this bagging up routine to be part of your life every day. People will say at least they're bagging up. It's it's not that much better. You know, that, that thing still made contact with the ground. It's like someone coming in and rubbing their exposed groin on your sofa and then saying, it's okay, I'm not rubbing myself up on your furniture anymore, you can sit back down. Bagging up is not normal, people. None of this is normal. And, you know, with that same hand later, the same hand that bagged that up, yeah, what are you going to do? You're going to caress your kids? You're going to kiss them goodnight? You're going to fondle your partner's breasts or pull them off with the same hand? You're okay with that? Really? Come on, man, that's like, you know, that's not right. None of it is right. I, I can't get my head around this whole dog walking thing. It's so wrong. I can't think of a bigger wrong that's bothered me more since I was a kid. Even as a kid, before I even understood what was going on, I just knew that it was wrong. Anyway, on with the show. I uh, had some heating this week, actually. Uh, lots of heating, actually. Uh, in the morning mainly, um, uh, and aside from the cost issues, that is how storage heating works. I was getting some tweets from a from a guy on my timeline who uh, also has storage heating, um, and he summed it up: boiling in the morning, the heating's gone by the afternoon. It's it's so strange, it's so strange. Um, this flat is subsiding, sticking doors. It's weird because the door that stuck in the summer doesn't now. The one that didn't stick in the summer. The front room one does now, so very hard to close this door at night trying to keep the heat in, in the front room. You know, the door keeps making a bang, I'm worried about the neighbour downstairs, the heat escapes, I don't close the door properly at night. But you know, it is good to know that if I was actually in the house, uh, when I'm actually not in the house in the mornings, that I, I that I would be warm if I was here. That's, that's the thing about storage heat, and it does what it wants. You have no say in what happens. It's... Uh, it reminds me of my last relationship, actually. I've got the input button. It collects the heat. I, I spoke to the manufacturers. They said, knock, you know, knock that up to maximum for the winter. The input button goes from 0 to 6. Output button goes from 1 to 6. And I was like, well, why don't I have the option of putting it on 0? Why can't I turn this dial back? Why do I want heat coming out when I'm not in or when I'm still in bed? So, as I said, I spoke, I spoke to the makers of what is apparently a storage convector heating combo. 
that's apparently what I have. They explain how it works, and I just couldn't get my head around the fact that I can't control when the heating is coming out. I can control how much, but I can't control when. So, you know, the flat is being heated when I'm not actually there. It is, uh, it is bizarre. I, I just don't think storage heating works as an idea. I, I can't get my head around it. I just don't get it. How much of their life did the creator of storage heating devote to coming up with such an overly complicated form of heating? How did the idea come about? Had they been involved in the creation of gas central heating? Were they there at the start of that and then maybe fell out? with their fellow creators, it's a kind of Adidas Puma kind of uh, scenario, maybe they were brothers, perhaps they felt that their role in the gas central heating story had been overlooked in the face of ridicule from maybe former colleagues and the rest of the sceptical world, did they go on to install storage heating in their own house, maybe forcing it upon their own family the same way John Gummer fed his uh, four-year-old daughter a, a, a burger in the midst of the mad cow disease uh, at the start of the 90s. Do you remember that? I, I don't think John Gummer ever, ever lived that down. I just don't understand why someone sought to devise a more complicated, pricier alternative and based on my own extensive personal experience, ineffective form of heating a property. It's vastly inferior to gas central heating. I don't understand why you would want to put something up against gas central heating. Who, given the choice, would take storage heating over gas central heating? You know, I don't want to hear arguments that it's more environmentally friendly. I don't know if it is, but if, if that is the case, you know, primarily I want to stay warm. If we have to be colder as a, as a result of trying to save the world, I'd rather have lived two or three hundred years ago when we had no idea about this. You know, I just want to be warm. It's important to me. It's important to me. You know, I'm, I'm recycling. That's enough. You know, that's enough. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm accumulating seven or eight nectar points a week. I can't really spend too much time thinking about, you know, saving the planet. You know, that, that's, this, is, this is my level. This is the level I'm trying to function at. I also got my uh, screening tests uh, scores too. You remember the uh, vascular screening test that I was sitting on for a couple of months too worried, with, you know, to take it. Uh, Mickey uh, Mickey Boyd had talked me into going to take it, seeing as it was free. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had the blood test. So this week, I had to go and sit down with a nurse and see what the results were. And uh, only scored a two, which I was relieved about. I thought it might be higher owing to the uh, basics range heavy diet that I'm on. So apparently, I'm just a two on the um, on the uh, riskometer of uh, something bad happening over the next decade. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, sometimes you would look at yourself, you, it's your body, you know how it feels. You think, well, they're not really, uh, this, this, this test isn't, it can't be right. It can't be right. This got to, it, it, I must be a four or a five. But this time I just, I just took the two. I was pleased to get the two. It's, uh, it was a good feeling to get the two. They didn't actually specify what the something bad was. And I was thinking, well, is this specifically a heart attack? Uh, that I'm at risk of, uh, albeit low risk, or was I a, a, a 2 out of 10 on everything? Maybe they only tell you about the heart attack category, that's the big one, that's the blue ribbon uh, uh, event in terms of ways to die, they disregard the others. Um, but I'll take a 2. I'll, I'll, I'll take a 2. It's... It's just a, it's, it's a big thing, you know, to get my head around the fact that I am now of an age where I have to take these tests. And 40 is really happening. 
I can't get my head around the fact that I have been on this planet for 40 years. I understand that I am not the first person in the history of the planet to turn 40. I am struggling with it. I think, I suspect, this countdown has been behind much of what has happened to me over the last three or four years. I honestly believe that. I think I sucked myself, or I got sucked into this whole countdown thing by no one else. You know, it was me comparing myself to other people who had more once my career started to go wrong I just think I became obsessed I became hung up on 40 I think 20 did that to me slightly as well 30 certainly did I don't like years with a zero in them basically they just seem so final don't like them and uh, I do think me making 40 on a three-year diet of basics range products, that, that, you know, that is up there with Shackleton leading his men to safety in terms of achievement. I've had to recreate myself. I've had to get used to cheaper soups, atrocious foods, freshly baked bread is out the window, iron bedsheets. That's in the past. Power showers walked out the door a long time ago. You know, the, the, the shower I had in the hotel was a drip which is how I got used to the awful shower here. I was able to look back and remember what I had in the hotel and how I got used to that in the hotel. Ambitions and dreams have had to be readjusted. Uh, ghosts have been confronted. Only the clothes remain from my old life. So, you know, I'm taking that too. I scored a two. Anything over a two, I might have struggled. Three, I think I might have been okay with a three out of ten. And I'm thinking... What happens now? Do you get tested at 45 or is it just another test at 50? And what do they call that one? Is that still a vascular screening or are they checking you more extensively at 50? Does the 2 creep up to a 3 or 4 or does it, you know, does the, the pace of change heighten over the next decade? And is it actually possible that I could get myself down from a 2 to a 1, say? Can you do that or does your risk factor always increase? I'd be curious. I'd like to know if anyone can get their risk rating down. If you're a listener who's actually 50 or in their 40s, you know, 45 or so on, and you know of other tests that you have to start having or that are offered to you uh, as you get through your 40s, please let me know. I'm curious about this. Um, Yeah, so so no one told me whether it is possible to get your risk rating down. If that can happen, uh, you know, I, I left thinking, well, why wouldn't the nurse have told me? Did she see enough in me in those five minutes to establish that maybe I lacked the the character to use such information to motivate myself over the next decade and get my score down and and therefore uh, decided to just withhold that information from me? You know, maybe maybe she thought that that kind of motivation might merely become increased anxiety in my hands. I think that if I'd taken the test, um, when was it? A week later yeah a week later but by which time i was calling the uh, storage heat and manufacturers i think my score might have been higher because that did uh, stress me out a little and as i said i sat on this uh, letter for a couple of months uh, it was addressed to david ruiz despite the fact that i've been attending the same uh, uh, medical practice all my life um i thought the test would be more extensive I thought they'd shave my chest again. I thought they'd hook me up with some electro pad, stick me on a running machine where a team of doctors would watch me through a glass. There'd be banks of computer screens predicting how long I had left. There was none of that. Blood test, blood pressure taken, a few standard questions about, 
you know, family medical history. I told the nurse about my parents and how they both, you know, bowed out in their 50s heart attacks. I did not like the pained facial expression she pulled. For a moment, her countenance suggested that she might revise her score. And I, I looked at this and I thought, well, you know, this is why I would be suited to this kind of role. My limited range of facial expressions would, would, would come into their own. Any patient giving me that kind of information wouldn't be unnerved by any reaction from me, simply because there would be no reaction. I don't react to things. It's like I've got a frozen face. But two is good. Two is good. I'm thinking now of all the things I can do with a two. You know, I, I feel like I'm reborn in a way. Two. I'll, I'll take the two. I'll take the two. I'll have to... Uh, actually, I don't know if Mickey ha uh, had the test. I don't know if my cousin had the test. I don't know any friends who turned 40. I'm assuming they were offered this test. I'd be curious to... Uh, next time I see them, I might ask them. See what their scores were. Maybe compare the scores. Obviously, if somebody got a one, or if they all got a one, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm going to be worried. All of a sudden, my two's not looking so good. Anyway, lots to talk about this week. Uh, today I was uh, I was on my way to the cafe, put the running order together for the show. I saw this very frail old man over 80, I think he had to be. He was in bad shape. Local guy, seen him a few times. Sad sight, sad sight. He stops in the street, gets nervous when you walk towards him. Um, he's walking with two walking sticks, struggling. You can hear just a constant tapping of each stick. Uh, you know, you can't be old and live in a rough area like this. It must be frightening. We're, we, you know, we're all going to find out one day. Maybe not me, but uh, I think most of us will. I think there should be some, something in place where the old are taken to live in some beautiful, far-off land to see their final days out, where they're safe and warm and looked after and fed and clothed. You know, they, they, they get decent clothes. Their dignity is a high priority. Maybe there are people there who don't mind sleeping with the older people. So if, if there's anyone there who's still in decent enough shape to, you know, to be able to perform, they are given a partner far younger than their years. You know, just just a good way to see out their final couple of years. If there is a god, some great scientist who created man, I'm sure that they didn't envisage us living. To, to this kind of age, to that age, you know, 70, 80. Originally, few, if any, ever reached that age. Man was being wiped out by diseases, murdered maybe by uh, eight men. Jealous, who never made that final step with man. Now jealous over man having less body hair, walking more upright, learning how to speak. We weren't meant to grow old. That was never the plan. Imagine at the start of this all, God's got some PowerPoint presentation. He's selling the idea of man to his angels, to his advisors. And, uh, you know, he comes to man's final years. You know, and he's saying, yeah, and, you know, when they get to, they, they live to 70, 80, and then suddenly they're in bad shape. They can't do anything. They have to be looked after. They're a burden on the young. They're awful. Their bodies, everything, you know, drops. You can't get that idea past the panel. Man as an idea wouldn't make it on Dragon's Den. The dragons would be saying, yeah, all this is very nice, but this post-40, you know, illnesses, stooping, unchecked, wart growth, wrinkling business, you need to iron that out before you get any of my money. You know, suddenly scientists, inventors, you know, medical breakthroughs, they're giving God a run for, you know, run for his money. He's probably been off creating something else, got a little bored, spreading himself thinly, maybe a bit like Richard Branson's sitting by a pool in a pair of tight trunks. God, that is not Richard Branson. Bit of a belly on him. He's lost his sharpness a bit like me. 
that someone said to him, you should see what's going on with your original creation. And he's come back. And he doesn't, he doesn't recognise us. All these old people, what the hell's going on? And he's maybe turning around to his advisors saying, I didn't do that, that's, that's not what I did. And God reacquaints himself with earth. He thinks, never saw that coming. It's horrible, frail, unattractive, smelly people suffering with horrific illnesses, painful memories of those they've lost, begging for the end to come. I don't want to be that old guy with a double walking stick. Knowing my luck, I might have come into some money by then, I'd have finally got sponsorship for the podcast, I'd have sold my book, I'd be back in television. I'd have some young assistant typing out all my work. It'd take me two hours to get home from going out to get some milk, but I'd be doing so in the best suit I've ever worn. It's just horrible. I, I, I felt for this guy. I really felt for this guy. I'm not saying that Daniel gets a bit morose now and again, but his local coffee shop have named the drink after him. It's called the Double Depresso. You're listening to the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast, Love, Loss and Lattes. Now time for the Nose Hall of Fame. Uh, it was hard work to get this from uh, Victoria Sponge 7. She's no fan of uh, Christmas. A uh, bit of debating as to which nose we should have this week. I did want Father Christmas. I got Father Christmas in the end, but uh, that's a sort of make a deal with the devil, really. I, I'm, I'm not too happy about uh, the nose that's coming up next week, but, uh, you know, I needed Father Christmas this week. Uh, Victoria Sponge 7, as regular listeners will know, is a lover of noses, big noses. Each week she will run through some of her big nose favourites. Uh, so far she's given us the Earl of Chatham and last week Matthew Marrick from the uh, Diving Bell and the Butterfly film. I think uh, she was probably looking to stay at that level of noses. Nevertheless, Father Christmas it is and the sponge this week opens with a quote. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry, his cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf. A visit from St. Nicholas Clemency by uh, Clemency Moore, 1822. Um, Okay, so Victoria Sponge on Father Christmas's nose. Uh, She writes, Moore describes Father Christmas's nose as a cherry, big, round and red, which encapsulates our traditional image of Father Christmas. As an older gent, it is suggested their noses continue to grow throughout their life. That is true. Uh, His nose is depicted as large, bulbous nose with a rouge glow. I've never really studied Father Christmas's nose in any great detail before. However, on further inspection, it is a rather glorious nose squished in between two ample cheeks, nestled above a bright white moustache. The colour is one of the most striking attributes of the nose, one that enchants me. It's not often there is much variation of colour on a nose, which is maybe why I find it so ambrosial. The nose is as distinctive as Father Christmas himself and fills me with joy. The added bonus with this nose is that it comes with the most glorious throng of facial hair I've ever seen. There'll be another nose hall of fame next week from the sponge. So uh, I need a haircut, no doubt about it. Just had three haircuts this year. Never happened before. Uh, that is a low total. No surprise, really, given what I've you know had to come through. Haircuts were never going to be a priority this year. But last year, I did write about a transitional haircut I had, I think, in the autumn. Because, you know, I never wanted to be one of these middle-aged, long-haired guys. I got the transitional haircut. Not quite the one I wanted, because I wanted to give people who weren't used to seeing me with shorter hair a chance to adjust to my new look. I was... 
you know, the idea was to stagger the new look. I wanted to ease it in. Um, not sure I did. I certainly got the first part right, but then again, I left it too long before getting the next haircut. But now I'm back to square one. This is uh, the longest hair I've had in a year. It's fine if you're on stage. Yeah, you look like a cliche, you know, long-haired stand-up comedian. It's a bit of a cliche. Long-haired writer, another cliche. But it is a look better suited to the stage than it is uh, real life. Problem is, I've not been on stage for uh, four months now. But, uh, so I need a haircut. But I'm at that stage now where I'm having moments where I, I, although I know I need a haircut, I spot the hair and say the reflection of a shop window or a car. And it looks good. It re it really does look good. You know, these these moments, they don't last long, but they're long enough to place doubt in your mind and maybe delay the haircut by a month, but no more. It's similar to April, where all of a sudden, for a few weeks, my hair looked great. I'd just pat it down with water and I could do something with it. But by May, I just looked like what I was at the time. Uh, a man, a man who wasn't well. Lad Hayes, they're not just for women, you know. You're listening to the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. I got a surprise call at the weekend uh, from my counsellor to get me in for my final ever catch-up at the hospital. You do 24, 25 appointments and then you have the three catch-ups which are staggered over a, a number of months. Uh, in my case, I think five, five, six months. And I thought, yeah, you know, I'll do this. Um, if I can go into the new year knowing that this is all behind me now, part of my history rather than ongoing rather than still having one more of these to, to tick off you know that would be a, a big thing that that would be a positive way to close out the year I started last December um, a couple of weeks before I left the hotel tomorrow night will be the first anniversary well I mean it's not really an anniversary it's uh, it's uh, tomorrow night is a year since I managed to get out of the hotel. When I got out on Christmas Eve morning, tomorrow night is uh, when I started clearing everything out. Mickey Boyd came and picked me up. and You know, I knew things that just were finished by then. With everything. And so, you know, the final catch-up was in December. Uh, Twelve months. I wonder if my counsellor noticed I had roughly the same outfit as I probably had last year. I was hoping the final appointment might have been in the spring. I could have just gone out, bought maybe a cheap t-shirt, disguised the fact that everything else was the same. He might have thought, well, some of the clothes are new. But, you know, winter clothes are more expensive. I guess you're paying for all that extra material. If you saw the tan shoes, I was worried you might think, shit, it, you know, this guy's still not well. We've got to bring him back in. We've got to start this over again. We talked a lot. And it was sad, not as unnerving as it was in the summer when the original appointments came to an end, because I knew that was me having to strike out on my own. My confidence probably wasn't as high as it should have been or it is now. I knew that I had to go out and put into work everything that we talked about over the six, seven months. This was sad in that this really was the absolute end. This stranger has done so much for me and helping me get my head right and now I don't see him again and he was on at me about the importance of understanding that I need to accept myself of crediting myself with what I'd come through with the need to stop beating myself up even though I don't think it's 
that side of things is as uh, problematic as it was. I think I've accepted a lot. We talked about my book, which I complete. Uh, I complete the first draft tomorrow, exactly a year after I started writing it. The the book, the idea behind the book started with a letter to, you know, my then girlfriend, my desperate attempt to save that relationship and um, to ensure that I didn't have to go through anything of what I've gone through this year. And uh, the book ends tomorrow with me writing up what that letter would have been like now. Now that I'm, if I'd written it tomorrow, now that I'm strong enough to see what happened last year to fully understand the mistakes that I made and, and the mistakes that were made for me and, and, and contributed significantly to the mess that I ended up in. And a counsellor was asking me why I needed to go back to 9 to 5 if I was writing so well and doing all this other creative stuff. And I explained, obviously, it's financially driven. But it doesn't just mean that I'm ready to take any job. I mean, I remain haunted by some of my final 9-to-5 jobs, and I'm determined not to return to that type of work. I see something that requires a minute-taker, and I know there's no way that I'm going to put that before writing. And, uh, you know, there's no point uh, not mentioning the hospital anymore because it's on the donation page. When I, Whenever I went to St. Thomas's, the half of that walk would be identical to the walk I used to take when I was working in Lambeth North and it reminds me that even when I had a flat that even when I was in a relationship there were huge aspects huge areas of my life that I was not happy with particularly the job I was going in there I was not able to do the job the colleagues knew I couldn't do the job my line manager all credit to him you know went above and beyond what he needed to to keep me in a job I, I ran into trouble in the job I had another disciplinary this you know I could have been kicked out for what I did he knew I couldn't do the job and it's actually last year Christmas Eve I dropped him an email and I never got back in touch with him again afterwards and maybe I will this week you know lovely guy funny guy I, I took the piss a bit with him and I shouldn't have uh, but I, I just completely lost my way and uh, he kept me in that job and he told me that he kept me in that job because he knew that I was in trouble. And uh, I didn't really know that. And that did make me think a lot. And uh, I don't want to go back to that kind of work that I can't do. And I told my counsellor that I wanted to complete the book now. I want to close the door on this period of my life. That if the book got published, I would be very proud. Honestly, I, I think I would just feel incredibly incredibly proud of myself which would be unusual that that something so good had come out of something so bad and uh, the book I've written it for for those that helped me through this my friends my family I've written it for the counselor but above all I've written it for myself I've gone through this I was the one that took this hiding you know this was the beating of my life I was the one who dragged myself into hospital every Wednesday night in all kinds of weather, raining, freezing. I absorbed the lessons. I absorbed the humiliation of someone leaving you because that is what it is. You can dress it up as anything as you want, but it's at the heart of what happened. It's made me what I am today. It helped me understand what it was for me to leave uh, women previous to that relationship and what my leaving had done to them and I remember a previous relationship uh, not as long ago as I wish it was where I left the woman and she dropped me off 
at the station. We've been together a number of years, and one of the biggest things in my life, you know, such an adult thing to do. You're turning someone's life upside down, and uh, I'll never forget that moment. That half six in the morning, just hugged her. I was in tears. You know. I've never... I've never had a period as prolific as this year. I think I've written to a higher level than the four-year period when every script I wrote was bought by a TV company. I honestly believe that, yet I've made no money. If I continue not to make any money, I will still stand by every piece that I've written. I've not changed anything. I've not gone back to the blog and tried to alter anything. Not gone back to the book. It's there. It's what was happening to me. I haven't had a drink for 50 weeks. I've comfortably and rather surprisingly repaired my relationship with my sister and I'm not sure that the impact of that of fixing something that was damaged for 20 years not really by us really now that I'm an adult I can see what was going on I can see that we were just replaying what we were seeing from our parents and we didn't have the space we didn't have our own rooms to you know, go off and sulk in or simmer down after a big bust-up. And uh, I've now got her back in my life. I don't think that's registered. But, uh, you know, we're back in each other's lives. Done the charity work, which I wouldn't have done before. I've got my flat. I've got two podcasts, which at their peak get 15,000 downloads a week. Got listeners, you know, listeners that I think have become not only friends of the show, but friends to me. There's, there's been a connection. Many of these listeners have also been struggling, and the ones that aren't offer encouragement. You know, the ones that are struggling are also on the cusp of turning things around, and I hope will share their good news with the show when those good moments come into their life. And yet, my self-respect is probably not where it should be, I think, owing to what I feel is the humiliation of what happened to me. The type of the material this breakdown this second breakdown the final breakdown led to me uh the material that it led to me generating means that for now at least tv has closed the door on me i don't think tv would be interested in the kind of stuff that i'm writing about so the book is my best chance of getting back in i accept that if one good thing comes out of this it would be the book i told my counselor i just want to finish it and in the new year just start looking forward it's it it has been hard revisiting everything that happened but I felt I had no option but to do that, both for the book and for myself to see how I could move forward in a better way. Now I have to edit the damn thing on curly paper because, you know, that's how a paper comes out of my printer, all 280 pages. But I'll do that. I'll grip my teeth and I'll do that. I'll try and find that focus. And I said that if it got published, and I think it will, I think it's too good not to, think if it does get published I will finally be able to breathe again I'll be able to smile I'll be able to step inside the cafe and and, and not have to write a single word I'll just be able to enjoy and save that coffee actually I'm not sure I'll be able to smile actually given yeah I may have forgotten how to smile I will smile internally I want to be able to relax I want to be able to read again I want to be able to write my next project in a far easier way than this book the 12,000 words I lost one weekend back in October later retrieved by uh, Martin at both financial cost and time to himself summed 
up how hard this book has been at times. You've you got limited funds, you can't replace stuff. And yet another example of a, of a great friend there. You know, doing what he did. As have many people, supported listeners. And actually, I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate again what a great friend Martin's been. Because if I was listening to this, I'd think, yeah, that's a nice moment. And I've said, yeah, and listeners, and many people. I'd be a bit pissed off. I want my moment in the limelight. You know, don't don't tell me that I've been a great friend and then start saying, yeah, and actually, so have these people as well. So, you know, scratch that. Let's just, let's just give Martin his moment in the limelight there. This guy has, uh, you know, uh, been a wonderful support this year in terms of uh, just none of these shows and would have happened basically over the last few months given the amount of IT problems I've had his support and getting me out and checking up on me and that you know in the last two weeks I've been crap I've not really been available simply because I've been running around doing stuff for other people and and then I've had to catch up on my own work you know but uh, you know we've all got friends we all value our friends I'm sure um this is about getting through now this weird period of isolation, which has crept up on me the last couple of months, staying in, doing little. Though last Sunday I watched a couple of John Wayne films back to back. I was okay with that. It was, you know, it was a it was a quiet day, it was a boring day. But I just think, mate, you know, I, I just need to find a way of resting. Um, and I was conscious this was it. I was conscious this was the ending. That, you know, no more visits to the hospital till my time here is done. Some young nurse will be wheeling me in. I'll be trying to probably peer down her top. I'll tell her, yeah, I was here 20 years ago. I went nuts. This guy helped me. He was good. He really was good. What's your number? Follow me on Twitter. I'm 60, but I look 40. I just, you know, I'm here because I inherited my parents' heart defects. So it was over. That final session, the counselling, it was over. Done. I was done. I'm officially well now. I don't know if you get a certificate for that. I was expecting my counsellor to actually bring out a bag with new clothes for me. Say, you know, just maybe saying, yeah, well, now you can wear these. The shoes are too small, but, you know, anything's better than those tan shoes. But there wasn't a bag. Instead, <clears throat> instead he just told me, you've done as much as you can now. There is an ir- irresolvability about much of this, and you can't allow this shadow to carry you. And I think that's what has happened at times that shadow has been carrying me i know it has i i get that book out i close the door on this and i start moving forward daniel ruiz tyson he doesn't do smileys does this sound like the voice of somebody who does smileys no so don't send him smileys now it's uh, time for this week's timestamp. This year, I want to know what you were doing in December '89, and uh, I certainly got my answer. I'm staggered as to how young some of you are. Um, I'll begin with you guys this week. Uh, Lolly G uh, tweeted in. Uh, it was spent at a family hotel in Folkestone. My mother dressed me as a clown. I learned what decade meant. Nick MB, I was five years old and probably adjusting to sharing Christmas attention with my tiny screaming little sister. Uh, William at, uh, William emailed in, uh, William Stafford. Uh, in December 1989, I was coming to the end of the first term of my teacher training. 
I was a third of my way through the PGCE course, which would lead to my postgraduate certificate of education in drama. They were heady days and the course was pretty intense. And to be honest, I only signed up for it because I wanted to escape a humdrum job and go back to being a student again. I never thought I would end up spending the next two decades as a teacher, albeit a cool and hipster one. Yeah, right, he says in brackets. Uh, Ed's brother. I was four years old in 1989. I was probably soiling myself. What age do you stop soiling yourself, he asks. Well, I'll be honest, Ed's brother, I think probably before you get to nursery. Uh, Miss Ella Simone, a giraffe lover and uh, a new saboteur, actually. Ella's uh, writing is now appearing on Sabotage Time, so catch up with her on there. Um, where is it? Uh, Christmas, uh, December 89, I was 11. Granddad caught me smoking and cousin's girlfriend slashed her wrists because he got someone else pregnant. After she carved up her arms, she wrote messages in blood on all the pages of his poor mag's uh, effing headcase. Reading that, I could only think of that moment when the uh, boyfriend stressed out, might have thought, man, what a day. Uh, I'm stressed, um, I'm going to knock one out. Grabs a mag, he's ready to go. He's got a boner he's happy with, opens the mag... Messages in blood. I doubt anyone's lost inches quicker than he did at that moment. Would have been like, it would have been like when you let the air out of a balloon. I think. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Ella, she's uh, she, my understanding is she's a, a giraffe a lover. I actually had my own giraffe obsession, but only as a very young child. Didn't carry on until uh, well, I, I think I, I'm talking about four or five years old. Um, I always. Used to get animal toys. Uh, remember a tooth extractor. Not the tooth that was fine and was pulled out because my mum called my bluff when I said I had toothache and dragged me off to the dentist. And I, uh, uh, you know, I went down with that line, had the tooth pulled out. Not, not, not that tooth. I think uh, I remember a young uh, a tooth extraction when I was about three or four. And uh, my mum's uh, best friend bought me some little pigs, farm animals, and stuff but giraffes was the animal I had a real fascination with I I, I love giraffes the weird way they run their skin color um, so that takes me back reading about uh, giraffes uh, Lexington Steel um, I retweeted one of Lexington Steel's uh, I think she runs some nail blog and I retweeted it and funnily enough it was, it was quite funny someone actually asked me if I'd had my uh, account hacked into for uh, retweeting the link to that thing is I just think the great thing about Twitter is you just uh, you support each other and uh, you know she's been a, 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 a long time supporter and uh, yeah I thought I'd do that my account wasn't hacked I'm not into nails I'm, a, I'm a, you know I try to be as uh, masculine as I can be I was just I just thought her, her blog was uh, it's, a, it's a good good blog what is that sound i don't know if that would have come out i think that might be tweet deck is open i can't actually um i don't know how to get rid of that sound i checked that out i'm not even constructing sentences again uh, okay lexington steel i was five so probably getting really overexcited about christmas not much has changed actually so that's uh, two people at least uh, born in 84 um Nick and Lexington Steele. Uh, Pete Domican, a joyous month after two and a half years, I was finally leaving dumb freeze. Uh, two and a half years of good natured banter, otherwise known as abuse, just for being English. Two and a half years of watching Queen of the South instead of Spurs. Two and a half years of trying to find any excuse to get out of Dodge at the weekend. Even the one thing I enjoyed there, curling, had been stopped due to some bastard blowing up a plane over Lockerbie. Blimey. So that's what? Uh, 88? 
Even the one thing I enjoyed there, curling had been stopped due to some bastard blowing up a plane over Lockerbie the previous year, requiring the curling rink to be turned into a mortuary. Wow, I watched my worldly goods packed into a container and headed for the motorway with a smile on my face. Actually, the guy I'm uh, about to talk about now, he had a cousin in Lockerbie who apparently was one of the first on the scene, if I remember rightly, when, when, when the plane came down. And that's what uh, I'm going to talk about this friend now. Uh, Nellie Jenkins. My memory is specifically 22 years ago today, the 22nd of December 1989, a memorable day. Such a memorable day for me that for years I kept my travel card from that day. Um, arguably, I think the last great day I spent with my great childhood friend Nellie Jenkins. By then, you know, my friendship with Nellie, it was, it was like a girlfriend that I knew I was losing. He was moving in different circles, music circles, going to loads of gigs and so on. My musical tastes were, I'm honest enough to admit, still appalling. So I knew I was losing him. I wasn't ready for that. Probably trying to hang around him more than he would have liked me to. Childhood friendships don't often make it into adulthood, uh, and this was one. Which was a shame, because uh, we were very close. Uh, he was on the, you know, a year or two away from meeting the uh, lady that went on to become his wife. Uh, you, you know, you can't compete with that. Even I know you can't compete with that. But uh, I missed him, and uh, I missed him for a long time. I talked about this earlier uh, in the early shows, actually. The shows where I was really bonkers, the shows which are no longer available on iTunes. There's a great American show, My So-Called Life. It ran for just one season, gave us Claire Danes and Jared Leto. One of the best shows you'll ever see on Teenage Life. Claire Danes had a new trouble friend, crazy out of control. I can't remember if her name was TJ, something like that. And then she also had the childhood friend that she was growing away from. And that was handled so beautifully. And there was this one episode towards the end of that year where they came together and acknowledged that, acknowledged what was happening, acknowledged that the friendship had been lost and that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anyone's fault. So, this particular day I call round for Nelly. I'm told he doesn't like being called Nelly these days, you know, he'll always be Nelly to me. Uh, you know, that's where our friendship stopped. Our friendship stopped when I was calling him Nelly. He's Nelly. Now, he lived down the road from me off Clapham High Street. When I was contemplating buying a scooter um, in the spring of 89, I was buying it on the basis that I would only be able to make one journey, which was to Nelly's. I couldn't do U-turns. I, 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 I couldn't ride bikes properly. I couldn't do U-turns. And I figured that I could get to Nelly's by just... Um, riding in a straight line and then when I was coming back home I would just turn the scooter around and do the reverse journey. I had it all planned out. The friendship started in the school playground. He was about to turn five. His birthday was in February. Mine was in April. He was in my cousin, uh, the rabbits class and uh, his mum came over to my aunt to invite uh, the rabbit to uh, Nellie's birthday and my aunt, you know, so well look if uh, if the rabbit comes Obviously, she didn't call him the rabbit. If my son comes, you know, my nephew's got to come. They do everything together. And so I came, and it was actually me who developed the huge friendship with Nelly. So here we were, 22nd of December, off to do Christmas shopping. My dad had never allowed us to have a big TV. I don't know why, and I never saw anything unusual about this until 1986 when a kid called Christopher Richardson came to my house, a classmate, Next day, it was all around the school that we had a 14-inch colour TV for our main TV. I was, 
I was mortified. At that point, I didn't understand what the big deal was. I was asking myself, why is this strange? Why, why the ridicule? And then I was gradually started realizing that just as none of my other friends were sharing the marital bed with their dad, they also had big TVs in the front room. They had videos as well, but big TVs. They had big TVs. Now this, 89 was a great time in my life, 89 to 90. That was the year, that was one of the most important years in my life in that academically things went well and they should have snowballed. I should have, I should have kicked on from there. But that was also the year that my parents got divorced, and uh, I didn't understand at the time. Uh, my lecturers were on at me as to what was going on because my attendance started dropping off, and I didn't. Although I passed my exams, the grades should have been better. But uh, it was a great year. It was one I didn't really appreciate. I, again, it's something actually my counselor raised yesterday. I don't live for the moment. Everything is retrospective. I look back and think, yeah, that was good, but I didn't make the most of it because I'm not living in the moment. So I was at college, I'd just met the arse man who'd effectively replaced Nelly in my life as a great friend. And uh, years later, actually, the two of them met on a stag night, which we were all on, which was weird because I, I, I wondered if they'd realised the roles that they'd both occupied at different times in my life. I was earning money in 89, I had my uh, Saturday job at Woolies in Clapham Junction, I bought a VHS recorder back in September. We were still watching the VHS on the little screen little Sony screen and I think uh, you know we were still a year away from getting our landline I think the video the arrival of the video was the thing that made my dad realize we can't watch videos on this this is ridiculous now we need to get a big TV so just before Christmas he gave me 700 pounds to go out buy this big TV and I was like wow 700 pounds cash I'm, I'm 17 not only had I never seen that much money I don't think my dad had either and uh, years later, when I was refusing to bankroll his little uh, college world clock radio sa uh, sideline, Dad would remind me of this uh, moment. So I called around for Nelly. We went to the West End. I think we went there by bus. I can't remember really. But we started off with the record shops. We were big music buyers. Um, Nelly pers uh, persuaded me to buy the Cures Disintegration album. I got into them that summer when they had that hit. Was it something like Lullaby? I can't remember. It was a big, big top ten smash. Um... Disintegration to this day remains one of the greatest albums that I ever bought. The actual Disintegration track, which is about seven or eight minutes long and opens with the sound effects of a storm, is brilliant. And it always reminds me of that day, it always takes me back to 22nd of December 89. So we got our music, I think we got other shopping, uh, Christmas shopping stuff in. So then we tracked off down to Tottenham Court Road to hunt down the TV. I was so excited. Teletext was the big, big thing. You know, we, had, we were about to have a television with Teletext. And eventually, Nelly and I, we ended up at Lasky's. We went upstairs. I spotted this massive 32-inch Sony. I think my dad was adamant it had to be a Sony. CRT. Days, years before the uh, advent of flat screens. Beast of a TV. We'd have our first ever remote control. I fell in love with it. I don't think my dad uh, expected all the money to be spent and actually here's the thing about two years later the TV got cracked something had broken it was sent to the uh, repair shop and actually came back cracked and I think my dad was mortified and uh, when he eventually left home I think the TV was a big sticking point as well he took the TV he took the TV um, for a while we were left with a 14 inch black portable um, I blew all the money. I didn't even have the money for a cab afterwards. I think I had to. I don't know how I, we got home. I don't know how we did it. Um, I, I think. Well, I think I had to use my own cash. I'd blown all of the, uh, my dad's money. They had to call us a saloon 
cab. You know me in cars, I don't even know if that's the right terminology. But we had to get a big car. The cabbie was complaining he couldn't see out the back. Got home, me and Ellie, we struggled up the stairs with a TV. My mum is in complete awe of the size of this thing. By then, my dad had installed this uh, 12-foot cloakroom rail in the front room to, uh, in, in response to me sleeping in there. I'd had enough of sleeping in the marital bed. I've got body hair. You know, I'm about to go back to college and attempt my GCSEs for a third time. I'm shaving. I've popped my cherry by then. You know, I need my own bed. I need my own bed. Uh, you know, my dad probably thought we were growing apart. We were growing apart. And uh, that summer, I think the uh, lead actor who from Howard's Way had died. And I thought, you know what? And it was a massive show at the time. I thought, you know, I'm going to draw a line underneath this. And uh, that night, I think it was also the same night of the Martianess disaster. I thought, I'm going to I'm gonna get my own bed, even if it means sleeping in the front room. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my own bed. And I got a Z bed and I slept on the Z bed for uh, 10 of the next 11 years. So my dad countered with his 12-foot cloakroom rail. We always had storage issues. So suddenly, the front room, not only was I sleeping there, we had a 12-foot cloakroom packed with all our clothes. We were struggling for space. All of a sudden, I turned up with this massive TV. Waited for my dad that day uh, to come home to see what he thought about the TV. He's not an easy person to buy for. I was a bit nervous. But uh, it, was, it was amazing. Um, you know, we couldn't believe we had a remote control. There was that little squiggly square in the top right-hand corner of the screen. It took me ages to realise what that was, that that was to indicate ads were coming up. I think we all had our own theories. Uh, teletext, though, the internet of its day. We were obsessed with it. Music pages on channel the Channel 4 site. I got into Tears of Fears. I, I, I checked that site every day. I only saw them ever mentioned once on there. There was the football, of course, I loved it, 302, Sport 301, Scores 303, the agonising as you wait for the right page to come up. How many of us of a certain age remember basically watching games on teletext, watching the scores change? How boring was that? But exciting at the time. You had the advent of fast text. I remember uh, the Liverpool-Everton 4-4, February 91, Dalglish's final game as a manager. I just remember... Just remember the scores changing. I couldn't believe it. I uh, remember Tyson finding out about Tyson's defeat to Bust, uh, Buster Douglas, still the biggest sporting shock in my opinion in my lifetime in the spring of '90, just two or three months into getting the TV. And I remember that night, the 22nd of December, I had to work a couple of hours that night at Woolies. It was a Friday night, I think, if I'm right. There was a power cut, so the shop got closed down early. I remember that actually because Christmas Eve. 89, I had to pull the manager out of a fight. Some kid got caught nicking. He, he ran out after him, suddenly surrounded by a mob. He got headbutted, had his chin cut by this kid who was, you know, fighting for his life. And I pulled him out of there. So uh, it, was a, it was an exciting couple of days. And uh, I remember on the way there to the job on the, on the Friday night, Nelly and I, we got a bus elated at such an unusual day. I think even Nelly had been surprised at how much we'd enjoyed each other's company. He got off at St. Luke's on Clapham High Street, which is Match's old road, the old bus stop Match used to get off at. He lived a couple of uh, stops away uh, from me, and he lived a, a, just a road away from Match. And I remember as he got off, he waved at me and smiled, smiled through his beard. He was he was a you know bearded 17-year-old, heavily bearded. His growth even then, I, I cannot compete with now as a 39-year-old man. 
And really, looking back, that, that brilliant 12-year friendship had ended with Nelly helping the Ruiz Titans welcome their first big TV into the family bedsit. And, you know, I'll always love Nelly for that. Our friendship would still run for some months until the summer of 90, but this was the last great day that we had together. This was our goodbye this was our goodbye. So that's this week's timestamp. Uh, next week, we fast forward to uh, July 2002. What were you doing? Twitter at 1607WestEgg. Hashtag timestamp or email me, DRT at WestEgg1607.co.uk. So I went to the uh, doctors uh, for my leg, um, trapped muscle, left leg. I think, as I said uh, last week, it was either the stretching in the uh, four pairs of trousers that did it, or the uh, ridiculous walk Martin and I undertook to the uh, physic garden a, a couple of weeks ago, where I think we must have walked at least six miles that day. Given a, a gel, um, I like the gel, I like the gel in. Thing. I, I've got good legs, I'm rubbing that jelly in, not slowly because I've got no attention span these days, you know, and I just want to get it over and done with, I'll, I'll lob on, uh, lob a bit onto my uh, hands, uh, I think Mickey Boyd will pick me up on the uh, lob on there, um, uh, a few massages into the skin, but as I'm massaging it, I'm aware that it's a good leg, I'm aware that it's got good definition, it's just got a trapped muscle, that's the problem, also given some diazepam, uh, which is a sedative, and uh, I was still awake at three. I was told this thing would put me to sleep. Take it an hour before you go to bed. I was still awake at three. I did feel it this morning, though. Uh, I struggled to get up. I think the leg was feeling slightly better this morning, which is good, because I've been walking around on it for a couple of weeks. and not. I was told I should have got some ice packs on it in the first three, four days, really. And uh, after failing to do that, that it was always going to be a problem. The night, uh, Thursday night last week, Thursday night, Friday morning, the night after the show, uh, I think, it, I mean, it was such a troubled recording last week, so many cock-ups at my end, didn't get to sleep, I was still awake at five, a text came through from the doc telling me that uh, an old colleague, well, line manager, uh, no one had actually signed my timesheet more than this lady, ever, it was a relative period of stability in my life, and I was told that uh, she passed away on her 60th birthday. Uh, just last week, uh, none of us had known. So that was sad. Uh, breast cancer. Um, Doc was a bit sad. Um, she she had a soft spot for him. Protected them a lot. Protected the team a lot. And uh, I think it made me sad. I wasn't as close to her, anywhere near as close to her as they were. They had been together for a number of years. By the time I turned up, and I was there for eighteen months, which you know for me is the equivalent of ten years. But it was. It was a good job for me, it was a good team, it was the tightest team I'd ever worked with. Had one or two problems with her, but I always found her fair. She'd always allow me time to present my view to her before then attempting to dismantle it or show me the error of my ways. Sometimes we agreed, sometimes we didn't. But, you know, as I said to Mickey Boyd, yeah, you know, it's one thing losing people that are close to you and so so on but uh, when you when you start having conversations about oh yeah I used to work with someone yeah they passed away I mean that's just another thing completely because it may be that you didn't like that person that's not 
applicable in this case but you just again everything becomes a countdown the job ended for me four years ago it didn't end in a good way but she was still there and you think well you know she would have been gone in four years it's uh, it's sad it's sad she was uh, she was a nice woman she's that generation I think of women it's not a criticism of women I just think as I've said before on this show there's a generation of women mums to, to, to my generation that are kind of not there now uh, and it's sad because uh, that was a that's a good generation of women. That's uh, that's kind of that was a I think a big thing for a lot of guys in my generation. And uh, I feel sad, as I say, I feel sad for my team, my old team. It's uh, it's a much missed period in my life, even now, even when I was down that final road, knowing that Channel Four were going to pick up my my show. Even then, by that time, I was out of the job, and I missed the show. I missed the guys. Uh, it was a job that was there for me during my transition from football journalist to TV writer. I'd write my ass off during the day, and I'd go there for the evening shift. And uh, to this day, I miss them all. I, I really do. The woman that passed away, she was a quiet woman, always in her corner, letting us do the work, bailing us out of trouble whenever we needed her, often chuckling away when the dock held court. And yeah, It's uh, Christmas. Uh, yeah, sad, sad, didn't make it at Christmas. But, uh, you know, that's life, unfortunately. That is uh, that is life. I've probably, uh, on a lighter note, there'll probably be about a thousand people that I've worked with who will remember me uh, when my time comes. And, you know, maybe one or two will turn up, but most will just say, nice guy, but... He was difficult. He didn't want to do anything. I think the guy in uh, Liverpool Street that I worked for mid-90s, when I applied my job description more rigidly than I ever have done, and just refused to do anything, I was a complete knob in that job. I really was. It's the one job where I can say I was a knob. There are plenty of jobs where I can say I was wrong, I was this, I was that. This specific job, I was a knob. And if someone ever says to him, yeah, do you, did you, do you remember that Spanish guy? Spanish guy, big nose. This was before the rhinoplasty. Uh, do you remember him? And he'd say, oh my God, he was so difficult. He wouldn't do anything. I asked him one day to move a box. He, he brought out his job description. I couldn't do anything. He wouldn't do any work. Yeah, so uh, I don't think too many uh, former colleagues will be, uh, will be mourning me. Time now for uh, this week's song overkill. It's a festive special. I asked uh, which festive songs historically have you overplayed and why mine is simple. Uh, Tori Amos, have yourself a, a merry little Christmas. A beautiful voice, beautiful reworking of a timeless classic. Haunting piano intro. Uh, never fails to move me. In fact, I'd go so far as to say I've never heard any song bookended by a more haunting beginning and ending Christmas or otherwise. I think I might have overused the uh, the word book ended this week, actually. Okay, uh, actually, and that's the thing. Um, yeah, you'll see someone else has chosen uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, too. So it's interesting, it's interesting. If they've chosen a different version, we're coming to that. Um, Misery Guts, Victoria Sponge 7. 
opens this week. She's going with the Smiths. Heaven knows I'm miserable now. I feel it's fitting for this time of year. Christmas is my least favourite time of year. I shall endeavour to be miserable for as long as my mum will permit me. Uh, Nick MB, Donna and Blitzen by Badly Drawn Boy. I probably overkill it myself because it hasn't been overkilled by the radio. That's one I'm not familiar with. I'll check that out. Billy... Two Rivers Nine, the broken genius of the East Midlands. A festive overkill that may surprise you, Daniel. Santa Baby from the pint-sized princess of pop, Kylie Minogue. The song was originally a hit for Eartha Kitt in the early 1950s and has been covered by many artists since. But I've not heard a version that compares to this. I've been a long-time hardcore Kylie fan and I don't care who knows it. Contrary to what you are probably thinking, my admiration stretches far beyond her obvious charms. My knowledge and appreciation of her output from 94 onwards is certainly on a par with my encyclopedic knowledge of enough snuff. I still can't say that. Uh, whatever, Donny V. I've always found something very life-affirming about Kylie and her music. The world is unquestionably a better place for her being in it. I, I mean, myself, uh, musically, I don't have too much of a problem with her. It's the whole celebrity aspect I don't like. Uh, P.S. Uh, Billy Two Rivers adds, uh, was pleasantly surprised to find an unlikely fellow fan in the form of Pete Domican last week. After coming under a tirade of anti-Kylie tweets from EV80, I was sincerely grateful for his intervention and support. Cheers, Pete. Warmest regards, as always, Broken Genius and newly appointed <laughs> Fire Warden of the East Midlands, Billy Two Rivers Nine. Here's what I have to say to that. Uh, Kylie Minogue's 94 output, from 94 onwards, was 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 at times brilliant there is a performance from autumn of 94 on top of the pops uh one of the greatest ever live performances on top of the pops and uh, i was taken aback i'm gonna have a quick look on my ipod to see if i've got this tune because it was a complete change in her musical direction i can't remember what the song was i don't know it's abide with me something like that the chorus um i should have prepared this earlier actually let me just have a, a quick look here okay hang on i might have found it i think i saw okay here we Yo, let's see. Uh, no, I don't have it. I don't have it. Well, anyway, uh, her career was dead in the water at the time. I think she'd either split from Stock Aitken and Waterman or her record company after Stock Aitken and Waterman had dropped her. And I think her new output surprised everyone. Reminded me, in a way, of Nigel Benn. Nigel Benn ha had that uh, late 80s Dark Destroyer period. He was our Mike Tyson punching everyone out first or second round till Michael Watson put him down in six in a circus tent in Finsbury Park. Incidentally, where I believe circus strongman Mickey Boyd uh, was the pre-fight entertainment, it was just Mickey bare-chested hitting the bell on a test your, uh, test your strength striker. But anyway, Ben recreated himself. He lost to Watson, he went to the States, became a boxer, not just a slugger, claimed the title again. Yeah, he lost a few more fights, but he never ducked anyone, and there was all of a sudden more in his armory. That reminds me of Kylie Minogue. She did change. However, two things annoy me about her. Well, three actually, three actually. This, that she's a kind of national treasure thing. I don't like that. The moment at which she simply became known as Kylie, I can't stand over familiarity. It's Kylie Minogue always will be to me. It's like players with one name, footballers, you know. Journalists here referring to Ferdinand and Fabregas as Sesk and Rio. For some reason, it's always those two. I, I can't stand that stuff. Uh, and three, uh, perhaps most controversially of all, I never thought she was all that physically. I don't mind a toothy woman, uh, but she had way too many teeth. And she wasn't even the best looking girl in Neighbours. I never got caught up in that. If you're going on about the arse, there are better asses hanging outside the multitude of chicken shops here on South Lambeth Road.
musically, yeah, I agree with Two Rivers. From 94 onwards, her output was very interesting. Very, very interesting, uh, bearing in mind where she had come from. Uh, Miss Ella Simone, uh, I listened to Irish drinking songs at Christmas. Reminds me of the big family Christmases when I was little. Found myself on a stage singing this with a live band a few weeks ago. And uh, guess who hasn't actually checked out what the song is? How slack am I? I'm going to see if I can uh, dig that out now. Um, okay. I had actually made a note to myself on this uh, list of tweets to check that song out. I'll come back to it in a minute. Uh, Mickey Boyd, Fairy Tale of New York, an obvious choice, but it evokes memories of when I bought it for my mum in 87. It is an obvious choice, but you know what? This song doesn't lose its magic. It doesn't age. It's uh, an incredible an incredible song. Okay, let me just hang on. I'll come back to that in a sec. Okay, uh, Miss Ella Simone, Dirty Old Town, The Pogues. That's that's Ella's song. And you may have heard that, uh, the beginning of that song there, as I just uh, brought it up on uh, YouTube. Um, yeah, getting back to Mickey's song, uh, Fairy Tale of New York. You know what? Uh, yeah, it is an incredible song. No one saw it coming. That's the thing. There was, I don't think there was a Christmas song previous to that that bore any resemblance there's no reference point for that song you can't look at that song and say okay yeah it's definitely been influenced by this song that's what's so unique about it brilliant video too also reminds me of the last time i took holy communion christmas eve 87 which is when that song was out uh i don't know if i stopped communion simply because i stopped going to church or because of the aids scare being at its height then we were all being told to take the wafer in our hands you know, and the thing about being a teenager, you you know, it was when you make your communion at seven, you take it in your hands. And then suddenly you get to 10 or 11, you're seeing the big kids taking it in their mouth, just sticking the tongue out. It's kind of cooler. So you start taking it in your mouth. All of a sudden, after three, four years of this, you're being told, you know, the priest could have a cut hand. You've got a cut lip. It's a long shot. I'm an unlucky guy. I didn't want to risk it. If I was going to catch it, uh, you know, I wanted to I wanted to catch it through, you know, going down banging rather than via the wafer. I wanted to be pulling faces like, you know, Mickey Boyd's octopus face. So, you know, who's going to believe you? If, you? if you try and have a relationship after that, yeah, you know, you, 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 you've got this thing. You know, what woman's going to believe you? Say to her, yeah, it's a communion wafer. It wasn't promiscuous. Just a communion wafer. I was taking it in my mouth. Priest had a cut hand. No woman's going to believe that. Uh... Silly Casper. Normally I'd fire off an hour predictable link to Lowe's beautiful Christmas album. I don't know who that, that is. But instead, here's a link to Chopin's Nocturne number 2 in E-flat minor, op 9 number 2. This is not, as far as I know, a Christmas song. It should be a familiar classical tune to many of us, but I submit it because I now associate it with the soundtrack of Bad Santa, surely the least saccharine film about Christmas ever made. It's a beautiful counter to the slew of swearing, and it might well be the most enchanting piece of classical music ever written. If you're rushing about this Christmas, give yourself a break and listen to this. Uh, William, hello Daniel. 40 shows, one for each year of Mickey Boyd's life so far. Uh, that's true, that's true, William. Hopefully, though, this show doesn't feel as aged as Mickey looks. William goes on to say, My festive song, Overkill, is not a comedy one, as you might expect. Instead, it's the classic Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, as sung by Judy Garland. I know, I know, I'm conforming to stereotype. That's William. Uh, sung by Judy Garland in the film Meet Me in St. Louis. It's a very sad song, and it seems to me Judy knows your Christmas won't be merry, or even little for that matter. Just one big old ball of sadness. There is hope that things will be better, but not this year, not this Christmas. I'd uh, I'd like the lovely William Stafford copyright Mickey Boyd's uh, opinion on the Tori Amos version. I'd be I'd be curious. I'd be curious because uh, 
and I'll probably need to re-familiarise myself with uh, Judy Garland's version. Uh, Pete, uh, Pete uh, emailed in, I'm not a big fan of Christmas, so how to remain true to my principles whilst not bringing a downer to the festive season? Well, I think I've done it. A miserable song, Lithium by Nirvana, covered by the polyphonic spree, turning it into an uplifting Christmas treat. There's even a Santa hat somewhere in the video on YouTube. Job done. That's the band that have loads of people. Really, it reminds me of one of those flats run by Mediterranean landlords where there's just loads and loads of people living there. It's about ten people to a room. Uh, Pete continues, those of you who have never heard of the polyphonic spree will probably have heard Light and Day played uh, uh, as the Sainsbury's ad. The royalties keep them going, so even though you may hate Jamie Oliver, the man who pontified Clapham, think kindly of the music. On tour, there's usually more than 20 people on stage with every kind of instrument wearing cassocks, a band that... One scene is never forgotten, and a complete change from the miserable indie staple diet that I survive on most days. Uh, yeah, well, I'll be sticking all these song overkills. Hopefully, I don't know if I'll have time uh, before Christmas. Certainly over the Christmas period, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do that. They were on there last, uh, the last couple of weeks as well. 1607westegg.wordpress.com. Just click on the uh, song overkill tag. That's the... Uh, Festive uh, song overkills for this year. If we're still going next year, we'll do this again. Hopefully, I'll be in brand new clothes for next year's Christmas show. I'll have a new sharp razor blade, shorter hair, thicker Alice band to handle my thick locks. Some gas central heating would be nice. Uh, time now for a quick Nectar Points update. Uh, Sanix deodorant, I mentioned that earlier. Uh, maple and pecan uh, cereal. How too much of that this morning? Sugar overload, I think. Two cans of uh, Diet Blue Bolt. Uh, disappointingly for me, uh, the three for one pound off is now gone, so I'm now paying 47p a can. And uh, some uh, red Leicester cheese basics, uh, 172, pricey, very pricey. Uh, uh, not bought my Christmas presents yet, so uh, tomorrow or Saturday's receipt is likely to be more interesting in terms of uh, nectar points. May read it out on uh, next week's show. You're listening to the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast, Half Man, Half P45. Regular listeners, you'll know what happened to me uh, last year. If you're new, Show 31 is a good place to start. You'll find uh, much of the info on the fundraising page. Uh, over £600 raised so far. I'll go into the adult psychotherapy department at St. Thomas's in southwest London, who looked after me. Uh, as always, humbled by large and small donations. This is the last week in which uh, the donations page will be open. Uh, it closes on Christmas Eve. And I, I want to take the opportunity now to thank you. This has been running now for 10 weeks. And, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you, everyone who's retweeted the link, everyone who supported it, everyone who's, um, you know, been behind it, everyone who's donated. It's, uh, you know, means a lot. Appeal runs until Christmas Eve, two days left. Please donate or retweet the links. Uh, I'll give the link out again at the end of the show. And uh, thanks for helping something uh, so positive come out of uh, a not so great period. Um, learned a lot from you guys. Learned a lot from the council. Learned a lot from myself. Listening to your stories too has helped. I'm, I'm grateful for your support. Moving on without a segue, uh, New Clapham. Uh, back in the uh, late summer, the working class kicked out the Ponces. We made Clapham a, uh, a wank-free zone, handing the uh, wannabe Chelsea over to North London. Hasn't been easy. We've uh, knocked down a, a load of uh, unnecessarily expensive bars. 
what we've got ourselves as an early sort of deadwood type settlement we've got diseases breaking out everywhere we've got mickey boyd's filth mongers shop uh, if anyone's feeling a bit pretentious or in danger of being pretentious they just go in and his coarse language honed on episodes of the sweeney uh, just brings everyone back down to earth uh Mickey still needs a part-time on Saturday staff in his shop, so uh, still looking for your submissions, double entendre MPs to the show, DRT at westegg1607.co.uk. No application so far for that. I'm not sure if that's because people are intimidated by Mickey or because women aren't being allowed to apply to work alongside such a hunk of a man by their jealous husbands. We also uh, we needed the pub landlord. Um, we've got the uh, Bedford pub restored to its original name opposite Clapham North Station. Uh, Donk Bet Till I Die tweeted in, if you still need a landlord for New Clapham, I used to run pubs, still hold a license actually, worst job I ever had. I think in the absence of further applications we can hand the pub over to a Donk Bet Till I Die, see what he can do with it. First and foremost a pub hopefully, but let's see what kind of events Donk can introduce to it. Then we've got a skating rink if I remember rightly, we've set that up for Christmas on Clapham Common. Not being able to attract a choir, sadly. I think, you know, that's something we need to look at addressing next year. But in a sort of absence of community spirit in New Clapham, I think, this week, it's uh, not quite got ourselves the kind of Christmas maybe we should have had for New Clapham. We did introduce the Who You Could Have Been theme park, a, a dark creation, not for the troubled mind, that shows you what your life could have been like uh, had you taken different decisions at pivotal moments of your life. Funnily enough, actually, no takers for that yet. None also for the theme park guide. Uh, we're looking for a charismatic Ricardo Montalban type figure who can bring the kind of karma assurance to what is likely to be uh, an unnerving experience for those taking part. Let's see if we can get someone on that ride over the next few weeks. Let's see how it works out. How, uh, you know, we can maybe hone, iron out any flaws in it. William uh, emailed in, Christmas and New Clapham, there should be a temporary shop opened along the lines of those that crop up as Bonfire Night approaches to flog fireworks. This one would consist of a chute at the bottom of which is a trash compactor. For a nominal fee, customers may send their unwanted Christmas presents to be smashed into oblivion on the way out. Someone not unlike Mickey Boyd would give the customers a bit of a slap for being ungrateful and not recycling the rejected gift items through charity shops. Wishing all the listeners, and you yourself, of course, Daniel, my very best wishes of the festive season, the lovely William Stafford, copyright Mickey Boyd, ho, ho, bloody ho. Thank you, William, and uh, thank you uh, for your uh, support from uh, very early on. I uh, wish uh, the lovely William Stafford a very Merry Christmas. Uh, meanwhile, I think Pete's looking for some clarity from... Uh, from Victoria Sponge 7 on whether they're going to be running the pop band together. Uh, so that's the short new Clapham this week. Keep those ideas coming in. How can new Clapham see in the new year in a, in a better way perhaps than it's seen in Christmas in a positive way that shows the world we're here to stay. Twitter 1607 West Egg. Hashtag new Clapham. Email the show DRT West Egg 1607 .co.uk, just stick New Clapham in the subject header. Uh, had an email from Callum on turning 40. Uh, he turned 40 last week, if you remember. And I, you know, I was curious what Callum's experience of it was. Uh, Callum uh, emailed in, Thanks for the birthday wishes from your show. Very kind of you. You asked me what it felt like turning 40. From early November, I've been counting the days and feeling pretty uncomfortable about it. It's a relief not to be counting down anymore. I had a good birthday, but I didn't feel birthday-like at all. I've never felt less birthday-like. Normally, I feel self-conscious having Happy Birthday sang to me, but this time I was quite happy to have people sing it. The one and only drawback so far to being this age is middle-aged spread. Working away from home is certainly telling. Now, I, I, I know enough from uh, uh, 
following Callum on Twitter over maybe a year, maybe as long as a year now. Um, that Callum does uh, a lot of travelling. Uh, I think he travels the you know travels the world really as part of his work. So I think he's quite active, but I guess much of that activity takes place in the car driving. Uh, Maybe staying in a lot of hotels. I know that, uh, you know, I put on a load of weight when I stayed in the hotel for five months. My diet went to pot. I had no cooking facilities. Every night was a takeaway. Um, yeah, so uh, I know that one. I know that one well. Uh, it was uh, hard going earlier this year trying to lose all that weight. Um, Callum concludes by saying, I think as soon as you start counting the days, you're as good as out of your 30s. And that's that, really. Which means... Uh, I stopped being in my 30s around 36. Um, and that's that really, says Callum. Bestus Callum. Thank you for that, Callum. Uh, quick hairstyles you don't like. Uh, Chris John Hall. I find fringes make anyone look unnecessarily severe. Again, uh, ideally we're looking for something specific to partners, ex or current here. I do concur with the fringes thing, though. I, I struggle with kids, well, guys... You know, my age, up to my age, we go around with fringes, you know, trying to relive their their youth. And, uh, you know, the young as well, imitating hairstyles that belong to my generation. You know, find your own hairstyle. I've said this before. you got to lay down a marker. you got to create a hairstyle that 20 years from now, other kids are going to be trying to appropriate. Uh, now, with Christmas hair... I uh, asked you last week what gifts you would buy your fellow listeners based simply on what you know of them through here. Uh, good response. Tom Hoffman uh, uh, tweeted me, I'd buy you a bicycle. You'd appreciate the extra thigh definition and a good vehicle for a recession. I'm always up for thigh definition, Tom. Um, as I mentioned earlier on the show, I've got some good definition going on, but can't hurt to get more. I do have a story about a bike on this year's uh, Please Don't Hug Me special, actually. Stay tuned for that. Uh, not sure... I'm a bike guy, but I'd welcome any gift. Grateful for it. Perhaps, maybe if I took the gift, I'd hope that if you forgot about the show in a year or so, uh, I could then sell it on eBay, flog it, put the money into maybe, I don't know, investing in better mics, better nasal inhalers, and, you know, it'd probably be years before you found out I'd given the bike away. But thank you. Uh, Callum again. I'd buy uh, Eat My Halo a coat with a discreet hood that zips into the back of the collar. I think she lacks a hood on her coat and she has to walk the dog. Bit of an obvious reason, but there you go. I have struggled with hoods. I remember um, when I was in Barcelona about nine, ten years ago, I bought myself a Parker jacket, which, uh, you know, yeah, brilliant jackets, but the hood, you can't see out of those things. I, I didn't like it. I, I, you know, I'll stick with the, uh, stick with the beanie hat. Uh, and now uh, a brilliant email from uh, Two Rivers. A lot of thoughts gone into this. Um... Two Rivers starts off the lovely William Stafford. I would give William a festive mask and cape to be worn over the Christmas period. Nothing uh, nothing too tasteless. Would probably opt for a red uh, with a colourful tinsel trim. This gift would also enable him to give his black mask and cape a long overdue, <laughs> a long overdue wash before the new year. An Irish Brit, a good quality table lamp. This poor woman obviously has a lack of quality lighting in her home. Evidenced by yet another mysterious shadowy photo of Mickey's number one fan appearing on Twitter this week. There is, I suspect, a very beautiful woman hiding behind these dimly lit shots. Pete, uh, Pete Domican tweeted in, I had every intention, oh sorry, <laughs> this is still Two Rivers, this is, this is his gifts, these are his gifts. His gift for Pete, I had every intention of buying Pete the new Donny V album wrapped around my middle finger, but due to a variety of issues, the release date has been put back until February 
2012. Who am I kidding? Adds Two Rivers. I know it, you know it, and I suspect even Donny V himself knows it. This jinxed album is never going to see the light of day. Uh, well, Roland Orzabal, I remember when he he actually released his album The Day of the Twin Towers, and it disappeared without trace. Uh, Mickey Boyd. Uh, Two Rivers, uh, present for Mickey Boyd. A big soft cushion for his taxi. Since he launched the Get Billy to 500 campaign, uh, I have had a lot of cabbies start following me on Twitter. They frequently tweet about a condition which is referred to as leather arse. I have no idea what the symptoms are, but I can't help but think that a decent cushion might help him fall in foul uh, of this terrible affliction. Uh, we'll be talking more about the Get Billy to 500 campaign uh, with Mickey uh, on Christmas Eve. And uh, for me, Two Rivers says, I've uh, made no secret of the fact that I've been a big fan of your work since stumbling across you on Twitter back in September. I was planning on really pushing the boat out and getting you gas central heating and a new laptop for Christmas. But then I realised that it would leave you with Eiffel to moan about and an army of the lost and broken would lose a fine ambassador. So I'll just leave it if that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Actually, here's the thing for Jason. My tan shoes were mocked last night outside Vauxhall Station. Guy just said to me, do you think those are okay? Uh, Jason has the uh, same tan shoes. I don't know how he would have dealt with that. Maybe my tan shoes would be more accepted up north. Um, anyway, uh, uh, finally, uh, the Two Rivers uh, gift for EV80. What do you buy a woman who owns a Siemens thermostat and spends her weekends flying across the Pennines in a helicopter? All this humble, broken genius has to offer some lime and tangerine Tic Tacs, which I know she is very fond of. And my deepest affection, as always. Seasons greetings to you and all listeners of the Daniel Ruse Tyson podcast. The broken genius and newly appointed, etc., etc. We do hope uh, Two Rivers will be giving us fire safety tips in the new year. I'd be interested, actually, to get his uh, feedback on what he made of my uh, dad's old rope of hope uh, fire safety idea of the late 70s. Um, involving tying up the family and uh, lowering us down on a rope. From a third floor bedsit. Mickey. Uh, Mickey tweeted in. It's very difficult to build a Mickey Boyd brand. Because you've still got him thinking that he's a listener. Rather than maybe being a bit aloof. Saying you know I'm too good to contribute. I'm a presenter. This man he has an ego. Yet he surprises me. He surprises me in that he still also contributes as a listener. Mickey says uh, he'd get William a cravat. Uh, an Irish Brit whose uh, back door Mickey absolutely wants to smash in. There's no doubt about it. He's very clear on that. He says he'd get her a bottle of booze and uh, for Two Rivers a fluorescent thong to match his fire warden's jacket. Irish Brit replied, hello Mickey, a perfect gift, but you know you don't have to get me drunk. I think he might do Irish for what he wants to do. Anyway, uh, that's uh, that's gifts that you would get other listeners. Merry Christmas, Daniel. That's it. We're at the end of the uh, the show, uh, the uh, donation page again, uh, uk.virginmoneygiving.com forward slash Daniel Ruiz Tires. And actually, I'm not sure if I actually gave it out earlier. It doesn't ring a bell. Um, hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, please rate and review the show on iTunes. Um, thanks to those of you who already have. You can also listen on Jellycast, Stitcher Radio and Mixcloud. Uh, join the Facebook group. Follow the show on Twitter at 1607WestEgg. Email drt at westegg1607.co.uk. Uh, next week's show, get your song overkills in. New Year's resolutions, new clap and business ideas. Timestamp, July 2002. Remember that. Applications to be Mickey's part-time uh, part assistant as the uh, filth, uh, in, in the Filthmongers shop in New Clapham. Uh, get those in as well. 
Um, thank you for listening. For those of you who are Please Don't Hug Me fans, I'm back on Christmas Eve with Modern Man Mickey Boyd and this year's Please Don't Hug Me Christmas special. Get your Ask Boydy questions into Mickey at Boydy71. That'll be up by the early afternoon on Christmas Eve on iTunes. Uh, The donation page, again, one more time before I go, uk.virginmoneygiving.com forward slash Daniel Ruiz ties and two days to go over £600 raised for the Keep Your Head Appeal all the money going to the adult psychotherapy department at St. Thomas's. Uh, I hope you all have uh, a nice few days with your loved ones uh, for anyone wishing they were spending Christmas perhaps with somebody other than the person they're with know that one day you might come to appreciate what that person brought to your life. Live in the moment see what they do for you, see what they do for your life Merry Christmas, people. Until next week, I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson, and I think you know I'm never gambled. Next week, people. Next week.